Welcome to Episode 7 of the Creative Wellbeing Podcast, a series of real and raw conversations supporting the connection with your unique creative voice to inspire a fulfilling and beautiful life. I'm Jess Fitzgibbon, and today it's the final episode for Season 1. I firstly just want to say a huge thank you to you my listeners. Um, You've just given me so much love and support this year. And I'm always so grateful when you reach out to me to share with me what's resonated with you and to share your journey. The, The podcast has been just an incredible opportunity to create community. And I want to say a special thank you to the brilliant guests I've had on who've shared their magic with us. I have some awesome, amazing guests um, for season two. So I can't wait to share that with you in the new year. So 2022 has been a massive year, I think, for all of us. And for me personally, I've been navigating a huge transition in my life um, as I've fully committed full time to you know, creative expression, dedicating all of my time, energy, money to that. And it's felt really, really good. And I'm so happy to share that I've created the songs that I'll be releasing next year on my debut EP. I've been doing lots of writing, sharing with you poetry and um, writing reflection pieces, which I hope you've been enjoying And I launched this project, the Creative Wellbeing Project, which includes this podcast, the newsletters and the creative mentoring I do one-on-one with people. Um, All the positive feedback I've had from you for the podcast inspired me to set up another storytelling platform, which I've called Story Sharing. And Story Sharing was inspired by conversations I've had with my mum over the last few years with her expressing her regret for not um, recording and documenting her mother's stories, stories that she's mostly now forgotten and have been lost. So story sharing is an opportunity for you or you can invite someone you love to share their stories, their memories, their reflections to capture a moment in time that can be passed down and enjoyed by family, friends and community. And it's my mission now to make sure these stories aren't lost. So if this sounds interesting to you, you can find out more on the website storiesharing.com.au and book in a free intro chat with me. So all of these offerings have really come from my heart and I hope that you've enjoyed receiving them as much as I've enjoyed creating them. And it would mean so much to me if you would consider giving a end of season donation. I've thrown all I have at it this year and showing your support through a donation of your choosing will really help me to continue to do this work. I'll add a link in the show notes or you can also jump on my website jessicafitzgibbon.com and there'll be a donate button in the menu. Thank you. And now to introduce today's very special guest. A few months ago, I saw a performance at the City Recital Hall 
and the support act was the poet Sara Mansour. And myself and the audience were completely captivated by her. She was incredible. And I'm honoured to have Sara on the show today. And we'll be talking about creating community, poetry and storytelling. Sara Mansour is a practising lawyer, writer and the co-founder and director of Bankstown Poetry Slam, BPS, Australia's largest poetry slam. It was founded in February 2013 and has received national recognition for its award-winning events and programs. In 2022, Sarah organised and hosted a fundraiser in collaboration with Australia for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees at the Sydney Opera House, raising over $25,000. And this year, she's also programmed and directed a poetry festival, culminating in Australia's first national youth poetry slam. In addition to all these community organising, she performs her poetry regularly and most recently performed at the Prime Minister's Luncheon in Western Sydney and the Marie Claire Woman of the Year Awards. Sarah generously reads one of her recent poems at the end of the episode, episode, so don't miss it. Her performance gives me chills every time I listen. So thank you once again for your support and let's jump in. Thanks for meeting up with me today. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, so we're here at the beautiful Bankstown Arts Centre. It's the first time I've been here. It's probably a second home for you. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can start by telling us um, a bit about how you were introduced to poetry. Um, who did like who were the first poets that you came across, and what got you starting to write it? Yeah, sure. I mean, so definitely, like studied poetry in high school. And my year nine English teacher had said, you know, don't be afraid of it. And that really stuck with me for some reason. Um, I think it was because poetry kind of the traditional stuff that we study is quite intimidating. Mm. Um, And there is a bit of a barrier there because, you know, as a young Muslim hijabi girl from Western Sydney I couldn't really relate to the themes in the poetry that we were studying Mm. Um, so it wasn't until I was 19 that I came across spoken word poetry and the first one that really impacted me was um, a Palestinian poet named Rafif Ziada. So she has this poem where she repeats, I am an Arab woman of colour and we come in all shades of anger. And it was just so powerful. It's got chills. Yeah. <laughs> the agency, the power, the anger, you know, like owning that anger and translating it and being creative with it and having the license to express yourself in that way was really impactful Mm. um, and made a big impression on me. And so, you know, um, my friend and I were just like, we're sending each other videos all the time. And then he ended up um, performing poetry and competing in the Australian Poetry Slam. And... uh, After that, I performed for the first time in December 2013 
And, you know, that event was in Newtown um, at the Caravan Slam, um, which was at a bar. And I think it was um, not the right environment for me because I don't drink and I couldn't bring my younger siblings along. So that was probably the catalyst to start the Bankstown Poetry Slam. Mm. Was not really feeling like I belonged at that bar in Newtown. Yeah, what was the crowd like at the one in Newtown? Like, was it a mix of people? Did you find the what was the content like with people sharing their poems? Yeah, so I'm trying to remember what the crowd was like. It wasn't very diverse, mm. um, and I I think I remember like hearing some of the poetry and as well not being able to relate to Mm. it like you know at the time like my biggest concerns were wars happening abroad and intergenerational trauma Mm. and identity issues and racism Mm. and Islamophobia and um like the government's mistreatment of refugees and indigenous populations and then you've got people like talking about stuff that seemed very vapid to me Mm. Um, so yeah, that was a kind of another distinction. We wanted to have a safe space for people in our own community to talk about the things that they wanted to talk about without kind of being seen as like exotic or, Mm. or othered or, Mm. you know, objectified in a way, um, when you kind of speak to your own community, you get that sense of, um, Reverb, you know, like that people actually, you know, there's a lot of context that you don't have to explain. Mm. So that's really powerful as well. Yeah. Do you see your poetry as activism um, or is it just more personal storytelling? Yeah, I think that when your identity is politicized, then anything that you create is political Mm. and and has a sense of activism, mm. you know? Um, so I I don't think I started out with that in mind, but then as you grow more and your practice grows and you start to experience the world differently, um, you realise that your voice does matter and the impact of your words um, can reach farther than you ever imagined. So... I kind of do see it as, you know, like artivism. Mm, Uh, I love that. Yeah, I love that word too. And I mean, like my poetry personally um, always has a hint of comedy in it. Like I always try and put a bit of my personality in there and I'm always, you know, making jokes and, um, well, using comedy to deflect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not an angry poet. Like there's this, I think there's a stereotype about angry slam poets. Um, I'm definitely not that, um, but that's just me, you know? Mm. And, um, I try and instill a sense of hope in my writing because for me, I think, hope is the thing that I always come back to as like the single most important thing that humans need to, Mm. to thrive Mm. in their life. Mm. So in terms of what themes you write about, how have you seen Mm. that change across when you started writing when you were 19 to what you're writing now? Yeah. So 
When I first started writing, I actually started writing about stuff that I observed Mm -hmm. around me. Um, I guess I was trying to make sense of my place in the world. And, you know, it's the funniest thing, but I didn't actually think that any of my personal things, um, my experiences or my background, or I didn't think there was anything interesting about it. <laughs> it's pretty that, normal for most so people. Crazy. It seems sort of boring and mundane to us because it's our normal everyday life. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess I also thought that no one would be interested in hearing it. Mm. Um, and so like even small things like, you know, drinking Lebanese coffee, um, uh, interpreting dreams, Mm. um, and like the foods that we eat and the way that we make them and and the labor of it, Mm. all of those things, like I just never really observed Mm -hmm. and thought about. So I think that the more I started writing and progressed in my writing the more I was observant Mm. and someone had said to me you need to write your own story and that for me was like a pivotal change in my writing kind Mm. of journey and I started looking inwards like okay what am I passionate about what makes me me Mm. and and I kind of kept coming back to this theme of womanhood and I feel a great sense of responsibility to the women that came before me um, who paved the way for me and whose shoulders I stand on because they sacrificed so much um, for me to have the power that I have in my life right now mm. um, to be able to be educated. You know, my great-grandmother was pulled out of school when she could read and write at a, you know, a basic level. Cause her dad said that that's all she needed, mm. you know? So, um, I think that she would be so happy to know that her great granddaughter, um, is a lawyer and, you know, practicing and, you know, running these events and stuff like that. I think about honoring her legacy and all of the other kind of great women mm. that, um, didn't have, a lot of power and agency and this wasn't because you know they were living in Lebanon it's because um our world is built on systems of patriarchy um so it's kind of crosses cultural and Mm. religious barriers and Mm. affects so many women Mm. Yeah. yeah and how has motherhood sort of affected your writing yeah um that's crazy like motherhood is so (laughs) amazing and so crazy um I so funny thing I you know being a lawyer I was Mm. like how hard can motherhood be like sure (laughs) (laughs) and let me tell you I've been so humbled (laughs) I am so humbled I can't believe I even said that (laughs) Uh, um but in terms of my writing it's really made me um hungry to share Mm -hmm. and hungry to be committed to the craft. And I think that's because maybe I feel like now I have a sense of responsibility to my daughter to perhaps make the world a little bit better or make it make a little bit more sense. Mm. Um, And, you know, in my small way, maybe I can do that through my writing. Mm. Yeah. And I guess like as she 
gets a little bit older, even like sharing that with her and, you know, guiding her to, to build a writing practice yeah. would be a beautiful thing to share with each other. Totally. And like, you know, when I was young, I was really into reading and mm-hmm. writing and stuff. And no one ever said to me, you can be a writer. You know, I think like maybe if someone had said that to me, then maybe I would have, you know, mm. kind of done something differently. But, um, yeah, like no one actually ever said that that's an option. Yeah. And I think that when you're young, you know, you're obviously so impressionable. Mm. And so even just one person saying to you, yeah, you could do this, like kind of changes it your does. life, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think that's so interesting because a lot of people can find writing quite intimidating, but you know, most of us have the privilege these days to be able to, to do that. And I think it's more that getting past that self-judgment yeah. <laughs> and being able to just write and not self-edit, you know, yeah. and let, let it out and then slowly, patiently form it into something. But just really, it's a beautiful release. And I know as a teenager, that's where I sort of started my practice, just yeah. getting out. And like you said, it's that mindfulness, like especially when you're young and if you're in these you know, often when we're in our, you know, late teens, we're experiencing all these new things in the world and it's very inspiring and just finding a place to put that. And even now in a different part of your life as a mother, like being able to write down these beautiful things you're observing in day-to-day life, that's the Mm. beauty of poetry, isn't it? Mm. It can be very, very simple, but so beautiful from that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So did you have, um, when you were younger... Like at school, did you find yourself ever diarising or journaling or it just wasn't really on your radar at that time? No, it wasn't. You mm. know, like, I mean, the, probably the biggest thing on my radar was boys. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and so my email in year six was writing forever, <laughs> number four, EVA, 321, at com, And then I quickly realised that that's not what boys are into. <laughs> so then my email became bootylicious, babe. <laughs> For the record, I was not bootylicious. Oh, my God. Mine was like, my friend did mine. I was like, ooh, angel from above. Oh, ooh. my God. <laughs> so lame. Oh, I died, I died. But, yeah, um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I think it was like, did you, yeah, when you were when you oh, were younger. Were you, and, yeah, because you know you had those school yeah. diaries. I remember, like, having yeah. stickers on them writing things but it was never sort of longer form things it was more like recounting like I went to the beach today or I did this today you know (laughs) I don't know I wish I did I don't know why I didn't um I kind of lost touch with reading and writing for a really long time um it wasn't nurtured and um I just thought that I was not a creative person Mm. you know and I really struggled in the HSC to Mm. do that creative piece that's the thing that I was the most scared about Mm. which is crazy to me now yeah wow (laughs) but yeah did you do any like um writing workshops or anything or has it been purely just intuitive and following your own voice yeah yeah there have been like small workshops here and there over the years but nothing like nothing like a writing program or nothing Mm. that I studied or, or did religiously um, it's just, it's definitely been, and you can actually track 
the evolution of my writing. Like if you see a poem, like one of my earlier poems, mm. and if you see stuff that I've written recently, mm. you can so totally see how it's changed mm. and and kind of like the way that I build a world mm. in my writing is so different mm. to how I did when I first mm. started. Yeah. Um, Maybe talk a little bit about that, like how – because some people – might not have even attempted to write poetry and I know Mm. it's different for everyone but like how are some of the ways you build a world or in a poem yeah so um what I normally do is like let's say I have an idea Mm. um it's kind of strange but I can't get that idea out of my head until I write it down Mm. so it might stew in my mind literally for months wow I know it's really weird um so I'll be like okay I need to write this so what I'll do is I will write the bare bones of what the idea is mm-hmm. um, kind of methodically. And then I go back and then when I'm editing, um, I'll be like, okay, so what am, what are the sensory images that I'm trying to portray here? Mm. And I kind of always go back to the senses mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm trying to figure out what exactly I'm trying to say, because you know, I'm trying to evoke something that's going to trigger a response mm. in the res- in the in the person that's receiving this. So, I go back and I build that way. Um, but yeah, like my first at first draft is almost like um, like analytical in a mm-hmm. way. Like you know, okay, this is this is the idea. Yeah, and then the second layer is actually the poetry. Mm. Yeah, it's never done. I think sometimes people think you sort of just write it out perfectly word for word and then it's done (laughs) yeah and sometimes like I've had moments where I've had a lot of a poem come out at once those moments Mm. of flow and inspiration but most of the time it is it's sort of writing down ideas and developing it and yeah bringing in the senses is a big thing isn't it and creating that imagery and for someone to to be able to like be almost in your body experiencing your experience yeah Mm. absolutely and like most of I'm sure that you'll attest to the same thing like most of the stuff that we write is complete shit (laughs) it's so bad right yeah but like what we show to the world is like the five percent that we think is good enough to share yeah um but I think that I didn't really know that and so like you know, I would write stuff and I'd be like, oh, this is no good. Mm. And I heard Amir Suleiman, he came to Sydney and he was speaking. Mm. Um, and mind you, he's just been nominated for a Grammy Award for the Best Spoken Word Album. Wow. Yeah. Is that a new category? Has that been yeah. around for a while? Fantastic. It's, it's, I think it's newish. Yeah. Um, so um, you are you will be someone's ancestor, mm-hmm. act accordingly. I think okay. that's what it's called or something about future ancestors. Um so yeah and he was saying he actually said that most of the writing that he like that he kind of puts down on paper is really bad but then you know he he gleans Mm. a few good lines from something and Mm. then he'll create a new poem from Mm. the one or two good lines that he wrote and that for me was like really um kind of validating yeah (laughs) absolutely okay cool yeah Yeah. And, and sometimes hearing someone speak about that writing experience um or just their craft is really reassuring yeah absolutely um it's the whole concept of the shitty first draft yeah and um like you said it's about I think I've had ideas come to me and I haven't written them down and 
they disappear eventually yeah. or your life moves on into another thing. And I think I love how your ideas follow you though. It's like they won't leave you no. until you've put them on the page, which is really yeah. cool. Very persistent. Very possessive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think it really opens it up for a lot of people once they do have a bit of insight into how these things come together. It's the same with writing music or doing a piece of art. There's a real process that happens and it's really about um, allowing yourself to be far less than perfect and to just give it a go. And like you said, you'll find the little jewels in there Mm. that inspire you to keep going. Um, Did you have any sort of, um, when you first started writing, mentors or teachers that, or just friends or family, like who were the people in your life that you shared your work with and sort of helped encourage you to keep going? Yeah, um, it was really the Poetry Slam community, mm-hmm. the BPS community. Yeah, um, you know, um, Ahmed and I were friends, so we would share our writing with each other and give each other feedback. And then also, like, the crowd is a sense of quality control. Mm. Um, so you'll glean from what they click for mm. and and what they, you know, clap for the lines that resonate with them and, mm. and or like the pieces that mm. resonate. Mm. And then you like, you kind of go from there. Mm. So it's a journey. Like there, are, there were definitely times where I wrote stuff that, you know, was very average, like performed it. And I was like, you know, I, I, I got like, you know, okay applause and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Um, you know, that didn't really resonate and I know why and so you, you kind of go back and like you know you re- revisit your writing mm. um but that's like really having, cool yeah, yeah having a community I think is really really important mm. and it's no way there's no way that I would have kept writing if it wasn't for mm. the BPS and I know that so many other artists can say the same thing mm. you know like just having um that place to come back to every month where you know you can share and you know you Mm. can kind of Mm. get that um feedback via applause and clicks and stuff yeah it's really important to especially when you're starting out yeah for sure um maybe tell us about how you started the bankstown poetry slam yeah so um so basically uh we were looking for a space in western sydney that we could host like poetry slams Mm -hmm. um and that's because there actually weren't any any poetry slams in western sydney so we were the first poetry slam and we just came to the art center and met with um tim from bankstown youth development services which is now out loud and um how long ago was this so this was in january 2013 yeah yes Oh, sorry. I'm, I think I said before that I performed in December 2000. It was December 2012. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Because this was January 2013. And um, so we just came. We It was so funny. Like we had no business plan. We had no conception of how we would manage this. Mm-hmm. We we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> just <laughs> had we, an idea and you wanted to go with it. Yeah, we're just like, um, so we know we want to do this thing. And he's like, okay, so what do you want from me? He's like, we're, <laughs> we're like, we just want the space. And he's like, well, can you like give me an example? So we both read him a poem. Oh, great. As a pitch in a way. That's awesome. And, and then he's like, okay, sold. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And then they started to give us the space um, here at the Arts Centre in kind. And we were able to 
start running these um, monthly events and it's been running monthly ever since February. So, so next February. So 10 years almost. Yeah. 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 Next February will be our 10 year anniversary. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and for someone who hasn't been to a poetry slam, maybe kind of paint a picture of what that looks like. Yeah. So basically we have people sign up on the night and then, um, we, randomly choose members of the audience by just throwing chocolates or lollies at them (laughs) whoever catches gets it they get a whiteboard and a whiteboard marker and then they just um the poets have three minutes to perform an original piece and they can't use any props or music Mm -hmm. and so then the judges will kind of give them scores on a scale of zero to ten Um, no one ever has given a zero before. <laughs> I think we've had like a four or a five, which was like really scandalous at okay. the time. <laughs> That's like the worst. It's yeah, kind of... yeah, yeah. Um, and normally uh, we'll do that in the first half and we'll have a break and then we'll have a feature poet. So someone that's like more seasoned. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, we've had some amazing feature artists. Um, so internationally, we've had Rupi Kaur. Wow. Yeah, Raymond Antrobus. Um, and we've also had Joelle Taylor, okay. who's just won, um, an incredible, uh, I forgot the name of the award, but she's won this incredible poetry prize wow. and, um, and locally like, or like, you know, nationally, uh, Luca Lesson and Omar mm-hmm. Musan. Yeah. He's just Royale. released a book, hasn't he? I yeah. Mean, yeah. I saw that recently. Yeah. And he just went on this incredible like Euro tour mm-hmm. and has been performing all over. So yeah, he's been doing amazing. Um, and we also give our artists that have come up through the Bankstown Poetry Slam, once they've developed their craft enough, we give them a feature opportunity as well. Great. Uh, so that's really nice to see, yeah. you know, the, the journey from someone performing their first piece mm. and then featuring with like mm. a set of like 20 minutes. Wow. So yeah. there's always a feature poet on each event as well. Yes. Plus the, okay. And what's it like? Um, Cause it's interesting when we're sort of marking almost um, people for their, for their work in a live situation Mm. how does that go down like how do you think that works for people yeah I mean it's not a perfect system Mm. but they only win like like plastic slinkies or rubber duckies (laughs) or you know bubbles like we just have the most ridiculous prizes so we try and create an atmosphere and cultivate a kind of a safe space where you know, you're there to share. Yes, you do get scored, but that's just to keep you competitive. Mm. That's just to make sure that, you know, you're on your toes and Mm. and you're doing your best. Mm. But then in the end, you don't really win anything. Yeah. 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 So, um, I like, you know, some people don't like it and they prefer like open mics or, or not. Actually, some people come along and they just say, I don't want this performance to be scored. Okay. And that's fine. Like we obviously always respect that, Mm. but you know, especially for young people um, from like diverse backgrounds, they're like, "Yeah, I want to win." Like, yeah. you know, winning something, even yeah. if there's nothing attached to it, is really validating. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And what's it like um, in terms of kind of after the event's over, or what's the environment like in the audience in the event? Is it kind of are people talking with each other? Is it very quiet? Do people talk after? Like, is it a place where you're really meeting new people or is it very yeah. much watching a performance and it's silent? 
Yeah, so like during the break, so no one talks during the performances, mm. but then during the break, people mingle. Mm. We always have fresh watermelon. Mm, um, nice. Watermelon is our fruit mascot. <laughs> yeah, so we started serving it in like February, March when we had just started a slam, not thinking ahead that like, you know, in the winter months oh, it would yeah. be really expensive. So like I'm telling you, we just had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we're like, yeah, let's always serve watermelon. This is great. And then just didn't think that through. Um I wonder how many kilos of watermelon have been yeah. consumed over the years. I can't even tell you. You have to get someone to donate it in winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Have to, like, A local grocer can sponsor with yeah, some watermelon. <laughs> that would be great. But, yeah, so there's definitely, like, community – a sense of community and like um, people go out afterwards and you know I mean I, I can't even tell you how many people have like met through the poetry slam and you know developed new friendship groups got married wow. got a new jobs like yeah it's been this amazing conduit for people like that are kind of like-minded to to find their people mm. you know their tribe so yeah. to speak yeah amazing I think we need more hubs like that, don't we, where people can come and um, perform and meet. And I'm sure a lot of people will never perform but might still be writing poetry and like to just observe and watch and get feedback and learn that way sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was actually someone that... Um, had been coming for years and years and had never performed but had always been writing and um, she had a friend, a close friend of hers, pass away. So then she wanted to because she had promised that person that she would perform you know she came and she performed finally and it was really emotional she did like it was an ode to him and you know like stuff like that like moments like that Mm. it's they're life-changing yeah for sure because poetry is such a personal thing um and what I've always loved about poetry I believe there are no rules yeah you know it's really about just expressing yourself in whatever way you want and that's the beautiful thing about it I like that you do have the three minute time limit though Mm. because it again it's just a sometimes we need those structures and constraints in art to help us um have freedom in a way (laughs) yeah 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 definitely and you kind of like have to hone down an idea Mm. um to be concise enough that yeah it can fit into a three minute piece Mm. some people can go on for 10 minutes 20 Mm. minutes you know um and even if you're like the best poet you'll still lose people at some point and I think sort of (laughs) I always thought of poetry as it's that got that potency to it you're really trying to encapsulate ideas and images into as few words as possible but the most succinct way of saying things yeah exactly yeah and who like over the years are there any particular performances that sort of stick in your mind um like some people that you can maybe bring to mind that have did a performance it doesn't necessarily need to say their name but just something mm. that they said or like you just shared about that poet with the tribute to her friend which was beautiful what other moments have there been over the years yeah definitely um I mean so many uh the first one that comes to mind, maybe because I was watching it yesterday, but mm. my friend Iman um, got on the stage at the art gallery, uh, and this was seven years ago. And the first words that came out of her mouth, and mind you, she's a Muslim veiled woman, mm-hmm. is this is what a feminist looks like. Oh, beautiful. And it was just, yeah, like it's so impactful. Like it's not the same if you're reading that on a page as when she's actually yeah. on the stage sharing that. 
um, and Bilal, her husband, who they had actually met through that event. Okay. Um, he's one of the organizers of the slam and he just has so much incredible writing. But there's one poem that he wrote recently um, about the way that kind of he navigates like life and faith and his mm. wife Iman Iman actually means faith mm-hmm. so it's like an ode to her oh. and you know like how he kind of like sees religion and God encapsulated in her it's so like, beautiful it's, oh my god <laughs> it was so beautiful it made me cry yeah. like it was so beautiful um my friend Yaz um who's also part of the team uh, had this had really, really great piece that's on our YouTube channel where she says, if they can pronounce Shakespeare, then they can pronounce your name. Oh. And, you know, just kind of, this is really good line in that piece where she goes, if they can wrap their tongue around my kebab, <laughs> they can wrap their tongue around my vocab. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so sassy. It's so great. Yeah, she's incredible. She just has really, really great like um like one-liners and and really strong metaphors and stuff um who else so many yeah I mean I could I could go on forever Mm. do you read do you read for many people and give them feedback on their work um if they ask Mm. but yeah not really not really like maybe more so with my friends Mm -hmm. but not really for strangers yeah um, we used to have an open mic session for people under 24 where we would like kind of give them feedback on their work and stuff, but we just, you know, like life changes and mm. like, because the Bankstown Poetry Slam is a volunteer run organization, mm. it's just like, so with so many limited resources, we have to kind of like focus our energy on the stuff that's most impactful. Yeah. Um, but we, we do do feedback sessions, uh, for like, for example, when we're hosting a grand slam, um, the poets will go and write new pieces specifically for that event. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have a rehearsal where we give them feedback. Okay. And, yeah. And, you know, like that stuff is instrumental mm. in shaping like their piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Um, so you're organizing a new festival at the moment. Yeah. Brave New Word. Um, maybe talk a bit about that. Mm. Um, unfortunately, this podcast will be released after it's finished. Yeah. But you can tell us about it and will it be an ongoing thing? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Uh, but basically, it's um, a play on the book Brave New World. One um, of my favorite books. Yeah, <laughs> it's an amazing book. And so... It's basically a poetry festival that will span two weeks. And um, there are three main components to the festival. There's the Real Talk program, which is a high school poetry program that we've been running for um, six weeks across 10 high schools all over Sydney. And the finale for that event will be on the 1st of December, so part of the festival. And then we have the first ever National Youth Poetry Slam. Wow. And that's happening, yeah, on the on the 13th of December. And um, so we closed submissions last night mm-hmm. and we've had dozens of submissions from all over Australia. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be so hard judging them, but definitely, like, some incredible pieces. Mm. Um, and I'm really excited to be showcasing 
you know, their voices in Australia's first national youth competition for poetry. Um, so exciting. Yeah, for Poetry Slam rather. Mm. But yeah, that is really exciting. And then, you know, there's the actual festival itself. So we've got panels and writing workshops and um, we've got some kind of stuff that we've curated and programmed that are completely new ideas and concepts. So the Goat Slam, mm-hmm. which is the uh, an ode to Muhammad Ali, oh, one of the greatest of all time boxers and poets. Yeah. And um, that involves like, like kind of head to head, one minute quick fire rounds of poetry, like people battling it out. That's which so is really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, the Anonymous Slam, uh-huh. which is something that I... Um, I'm very proud of, um, but basically it comes from a place of wanting to perform something, but not necessarily wanting to attach your name to it. Mm. So we uh, let people submit their poems anonymously and then a random stranger will perform it and kind of reinterpret their words. Yeah. On the day, um, what else do we have? (laughs) I've been looking at this so much <laughs> that my mind's kind of living and breathing it at the moment. Yeah, totally living and breathing it. Yeah, and you'll know because I've been messaging you like one a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's a big job. But um, what's it been like, kind of creating it within the community? Um, what sort of things have you learnt while creating the festival? Yeah, well, I've learned that I'm not a young person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Turning 30 next year, so that's also been a very oh, pretty young experience. <laughs> but what I actually did was, so I had kind of created this draft program with um, Aisha, who's been working on the festival with me. And then I said, maybe we should talk to some young people and see what they think about it. Mm. And so we put together a youth advisory committee of like people that come to the slam regularly. And we said, okay, so here are our ideas. Mm. What do you think? And then they were like, oh, yeah, like this is good. This is good. Um, Maybe not this event, you know. And I think that maybe the program was a bit too, like, intellectualized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of the best pieces of feedback I received was when you're starting out, you just want to know the basics, like mm. how to write, mm. how to perform, how to edit your work, like mm. all of those kinds of things. So that's what we did. We actually scrapped like five ideas and we introduced the art of series. So the art of writing, the art of editing, the art of performing. Amazing. Yeah. That'd be so valuable for young people yeah. when they're building their confidence. Because like you said, a lot of people don't really do this at school. Like we might study poetry, but actually writing it from such a personal place and the idea of performing it like I don't know what school's like these days maybe they do and it's amazing that you've got programs in schools that are teaching people but I think having these workshops will really empower people to start exploring poetry yeah yeah definitely I think that it would be Mm. incredible and I mean uh, schools do have I think that uh, there's a spoken word piece that's part of the HSC curriculum now so schools yeah I mean it's changed so much in the last 10 years Mm. Um, but there's still like a long way to go in terms of getting the schools that have the students that need it the most to actually have access because mm. you'll see it at all of the private schools. Like they have all these programs and extracurricular okay. activities and stuff. Um, but you know, we, when we were doing the real talk program, um, reaching out to schools, there were a few schools that couldn't participate because they just didn't have the resources mm. to, like to allocate staff to manage 
yeah manage it from their end and it's a free it's a free program right yeah Yeah. so I mean yeah like those schools are in western Sydney Mm. so it's really hard like we kind of had to branch out we wanted to only run the program in western Sydney but the schools just don't have the resources so we had to branch out and yeah kind of work with the schools that we've worked in with in the past which is not a bad thing but Mm. we know anecdotally that these students like benefit so much from this program Mm. so yeah yeah absolutely um do you think poetry is having a comeback at the moment um it just seems to be maybe with instagram and just the accessibility like i don't have tiktok but Mm. i'm I'm assuming there's people on tiktok and things also doing spoken word like why do you think poetry seems to be, especially with younger people, having more of an impact these days? Or is it just that social media is kind of showing it more? Maybe it's yeah. always been there. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I've been hearing this for years about poetry having a comeback. Mm. And it feels like the more that social media evolves mm. and people use it in a different way, the mm. more that these kind of things come to light. Mm. Um, but I think it's always been there and there are, you know, so many communities that have traditions of oratory, storytelling mm-hmm. and poetry. So like communities like mine, you know, it's it's kind of already part of our lives in a way. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really feel like it's anything new exactly. in a sense. Um, slam poetry is definitely like a modern reinterpreting yeah. of you know, classical forums of, of mm. writing and performing and stuff. Um, but I think that is probably just getting shared more mm. and maybe because they're kind of little bite-sized mm. consumable pieces, like that's like the gateway drug to <laughs> actually kind of getting involved in, in deep bar yeah. writing and, and reading and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I think there's sometimes people – like just from what I've heard from some people that there's this bit of a, a barrier between poetry, like it's too intellectual mm. or I don't get it or mm. it's a bit like, I don't know, too metaphorical. But I think like just even when I saw you at, you were performing at the city recital hall, um, supporting a musician, Alness Obel, and it was amazing to see poetry supporting live music. I was like, yeah. yes, like yeah. why isn't this more novel? Yeah. yeah. But it seems like it's, um, it's having more, you know, maybe more on the contemporary stage and mm. especially hearing many more contemporary voices. And I think also challenging people that maybe you've heard a poem that you don't relate to, but you might need to just find some other poets out there and find, it's like finding a genre of music you like, essentially. Yeah. Like go and find the voices that speak to you. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm. And like I performed yesterday at an event and... Someone said to me, oh, I don't normally like poetry, but, you know, I really like that. Mm. And that was really, really, like, just so humbling and so nice to hear because I was one of those people, like, that didn't yeah. really resonate with me. I was like, what are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Just yeah. say what you mean. Yeah. You know, so I don't really engage in that really intellectual writing. Yeah. I mean, obviously I can you know like all of us can Mm. it's you just have to write stuff that doesn't make sense and then people like wow yeah and keep it real to you (laughs) like how I think that's the thing it's like how would you speak and sometimes well in saying that we'd I'd love you to share a poem yeah (laughs) if you can yeah because I think um 
Yeah, your your poem, when I heard, I've watched a few now online, but you have a beautiful way that's quite modern, contemporary, um, just such beautiful imagery. And especially as an Australian poet and, you know, me living in Sydney, just really resonated with me. So would you like to finish up today by sharing? Mm. And maybe tell us the name of the poem too. Yeah, sure. Um, I might read the one that I performed yesterday. Great. It's kind of, haven't really performed it that much, so I don't have it memorized. Oh, that's okay. I'll just bring it up. But um, I, so I gave birth during the second lockdown. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a lot happening around the world, and I was just stuck at home with this newborn. Wow. <laughs> Two pink lines. Remind me of how all love runs perpendicular. On the same journey, nurtured by destiny. A love written for us before we knew how to recognize it. A pumpkin seeds swelling in my belly. And I think of how every legacy is a seed waiting to sprout. And about whom and what and how this little pumpkin seed will grow. Its beating heart carries me home. It grows, 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 the size of a peach, a pomegranate, a mango. My body darkens, ripens, expands, contracts, a universe within a universe. There are medical terms for this miracle, but there are no words for this labor of unimaginable crowning love, you legacy of ripped flesh and sacrifice of olive grove and seven spice of midnight prayer and paradise you are here my anthem my flag my homeland mama i understand we leave the hospital singing home is wherever i'm with you In the background, the TV blares out the daily case numbers. My phone blares out what some call conspiracy theories, others call hidden truths. Things continue to rise. House prices and sea levels and blood pressures and... Australia wins 17 gold. And I wonder about how something can be exciting and mean nothing at the same time. In the background, Afghanistan falls again, this time under the Taliban's knee, the neck of a shrouded woman. In the background, the world is on fire, Turkey, Greece, Cyprus, and we can't stop watching it burn. Some say an act of man, others say an act of God, and I'm pressed to know the difference these days. In the background, a newborn baby is found alive in a black in a black rubbish bag in Beirut, and I can't stop crying and holding you, asking myself in a parallel universe if I would have had the same options. And the anniversary of the blast came and went with no change. And the sixth report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was released with no change. In the background, the people are protesting, some for Palestine, others for personal liberties. Either way, no change. In the background, there are mudslides and hurricanes and glaciers breaking and bridges breaking and people breaking and I choose to watch you instead. You are sleeping on my chest, 
rest with between shallow, perfect breaths. One day I will tell you about the ashen backdrop against which you bloomed into my favorite flower with nothing in this damn world but hope for inheritance. Wow, yeah. that was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs>